episode 71 of Running Matters. My name is Matt North. I'm joined by my co-host today, Paul Hadfield. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm well. Happy to be sitting at 3,100 metres altitude at base camp. Yeah. Thought we'd bring our uh, guest up to, to normal pastures, something he's used to. Yeah, I'm excited. I brought my puffer jacket with me. Yeah, you, to... look, you look ready. Yeah. And, and make sure I'm hydrating along the way. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Drinking some special beers tonight. Yeah, mate. Um, it's um, Sydney Brewery's special lager. Gluten-free. Gluten-free. Yeah, small <laughs> yeah. batch. Small batch. Yeah, There's, hard to get your hands on, actually. Yeah, yeah. three, six packs. There won't be any left after this interview. I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so don't bother looking on their website. <laughs> Prototyping. Yeah. Uh, our special guest today is Jordan Anderson. Thanks for giving up your time, Jordan. Pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Goo Energy, Ranala, Sydney Brewery, Gaimi Allied Health, Basecamp Altitude, who's hosting hosting us today, mm. uh, T8 Run, Precision Hydration, and Fractal Performance Headwear. Mm-hmm. Have you been using some gels on your long runs? Mate, I had a uh, Goo Vanilla Bean today mm-hmm. on my uh, little tempo. Mm-hmm. Very specific today, 3 by 11 minutes at... Probably about 16k pace, so I'm not really sure where that's at, but uh, yeah, it was hard, so. There you go. That's, that counts. Did you run with the florist? No, 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 but I did have a floral fractal cap on. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love that segue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Even... <laughs> Is that planned? It just happened. <laughs> just got all, they're all up here, mate. They're that just up. happened. <laughs> okay. Um, mate, so you're originally from Canada. Living in the Shire now. How long have you been out here for? Uh, just over five years. Yep. This time. Yep. Yeah. And planning on staying a bit longer? Yeah, I mean, I found myself an Aussie wife and uh, we have a kid, so uh, <laughs> that's going to be tying into, you know, life here. It seems, it seems long term. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Six, <laughs> six months into uh, kidding. Yep. He's, he's firmly entrenched. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. How's the sleep, mate? Yeah, you know what? It isn't, it isn't bad. I'm going to... Uh, preface this that our son Bogan is really good he's you know sleeps through some nights um just such a happy boy uh sure. and so we you know super lucky and we've been trying to stay as relaxed as parents as possible but um yeah I mean what last night was only an hour awake and I gotta say my wife she does most of it um and we'll talk sure more about that but uh yeah no she's a champ she's up feeding him and yeah, doing the hard yards. Winning. Well, yeah. Well, if you're not lactating, you're no use. No, oh, seriously. Oh, mate, side note about that. I tried for a while. <laughs> not, all right, hang on. <laughs> you tried to lactate? Yeah, no. Okay. Wow. Can we do over? Um, wow. Welcome to the Running Mess podcast. No, I tried to settle him at night because, you know, he's not always looking for a feed, but he just hates me at night. You know, yeah. I go in, sing on my favorite songs, his favorite songs, try to anything and just my wife walks in after half an hour i literally hand him to her and he's silent mm. and she like again he doesn't need to feed he just two seconds with mom and he's asleep and he's lying back down so yeah i feel useless a lot of time <laughs> either the uh you've got the wrong equipment yeah or your singing voice is horrific so. i don't know uh i think i'm pretty great so <laughs> don't ask my wife we like that so, mate, you've got a pretty impressive CV. You manage the biomechanics lab at Sydney Uni. Uh, you lecture for Athletics Australia. You're a physiotherapist. Oh, oh. Uh, oh. What? Exercise physiologist. Exercise physiologist. Yeah. 
I hate physios anyway, so yeah. I'm glad. Thanks for correcting <laughs> we'll me. <shoot>. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that at some point in your faux pas, but yeah. we'll let it simmer for a while, I reckon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Don't start me on physios. No offence to all those physios. Oh, my wife. No offence, my wife. Yeah. And you also <laughs> were... I don't know, so... Yeah. We'll, yeah. Yeah. we'll talk about Bree shortly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're also working as a youth coach as well, athletics coach. So, mate, you're a busy man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to sign up for seven days a week of work. Um, but love, love all this stuff. It's it's fantastic. Um, the work at Sydney Uni, I, um, when I finished my uh, degree, my PhD in biomechanics last year, uh, just incredible timing. The, uh, the position of managing the lab vacated, um, and I just kind of spoke to the right people at the right time uh, and, and got in the door. Uh, and so that kind of takes up, I guess, four days a week, um, working with a host of different projects that uh, we can chat about a bit. But um, the youth code stuff, uh, I came over from Canada, like I said, about five years ago to start my PhD. And I did a bunch of work uh, in youth sport back there. Uh, and I also worked with, I guess, sub-elite athletes, you know, um, working with a few athletes getting ready for Olympic trials back in 2012. Uh, so I came over here, kind of the idea that I'll just pick up where I left off and um, that I think, I guess now five years on, I've kind of gotten into the right circles to work with those level of senior athletes. But yeah, it was um, just want, really wanted to get back in the coaching game and running. And so I just kind of put it out there that, you know, I was gonna hold running training two days a week at this time, this place. And for a while I was showing up on my own. Um, then I got a call from a parent saying, hey, uh, you know, my 11 year old daughter is looking for running training. And, to be honest, I was thinking like, oh, great. I, you know, I thought I got out of youth sport and like, okay, yeah, yeah, bring her along, no problem. Uh, and yeah, you know, a few years on, uh, just been loving it. And we have, a, you know, a squad in around uh, probably 20 to 30. Wow. Uh, and then we would get, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 showing up at uh, any given one of our trainings. Uh, wow. So yeah, it's been good. It's been busy, um, but loving, loving that side of it. That's good. Yeah. And uh, you're a pretty handy runner yourself. Your your background's track. Yeah, I would say I'm a. I've always been a middle rung, middle distance runner. Uh, so in university, it's where I kind of got to guess try to go serious at it. Did the 815 um, cross country was 10k for us, uh, and um, so I got celiac disease, and I didn't find out until I was 28. Uh, and as a university student, I loved beer. And so, <laughs> and I, you know, ate like an athlete. So a lot of pasta, a lot of that stuff. And I just didn't realize how sick I was until I got better. And so in my university career, it was, you know, five stress fractures in two years. And uh, I'd kind of get up to a point and my coach would look at me and said, oh, you're training well, you know, we'll probably make nationals. Um, uh, in the university system in Canada, you're going to be top 12 times in the country in the university realm and so I just kind of I just felt like I was always on track to do accomplish things that I wanted to in running and then broken foot mm-hmm. over and over so uh yeah I never did anything special in running um because I think you know that really held me back and then I moved away from running and I came back in the past you know five years I've just been you know doing things for fun and um just recently I decided to I guess Take things a bit more seriously. Um, COVID was interesting. That working from home, I just had a bunch of 
time to run because I didn't have the commute into the campus anymore. And so I just kind of got myself to a comfortable place as a middle distance runner and then um, just decided that, you know, if I want to keep running with this figuratively and literally, uh, thought I'd get a coach. And so, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, a long-winded answer to your simple question. Yeah, <laughs> can you, can you keep the rest of your answers shorter? Yeah, yeah. no problem. <laughs> I don't want to put people to sleep. Hopefully yeah. you still have some, some so, listeners. Uh, they're on. <laughs> we'll wrap it up now. Thanks. No. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon um, that the, the stress fracture or the series of stress fractures was related to just you know, being essentially malnourished there? Like, Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um, I went, when I got diagnosed in March... Uh, of 2014 and by September I put on 10 kilos mm. of healthy body mass okay. just muscle what? yeah and I was a very you know distance runners were skinny I was not healthy skinny mm. um, and from there I was swimming a lot so all my swimming times just plummeted uh, I just felt like uh, training and just finally turned into what I had what my idea of athlete performance was mm. um so yeah, it uh, you know frustrating looking back on it. A bunch of what ifs. Um, I'm looking at my times now, and I'm 33. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, oh, if I'm capable of this when I'm 33, like what could it have looked like at 23? Um, but uh, I guess I, I I'm happy. I'm okay with it. Uh, and there are still different things to do in, in running, right? As you go on. Well, sure. So being that age, you can move into marathon distance and so I'm assuming you've done half marathon distance have you done marathon distance you know the funny thing is the furthest I've ever run in one go is 32 kilometers I've never gone further than that in one um, session I'm sure your listeners are going to be laughing like who is this wussy (laughs) smart yeah this is this is running man it's not Distance running. Yeah. yeah. They're like all runners. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 is a long way. Yeah. Even triathletes. <laughs> even them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you're very right. And it's funny, even last year, I, I decided to have, I guess, a serious crack at the half marathon and learn a lot of things about training and coaching and about myself as an athlete that was fantastic. So, no, I'm, I'm keen. Uh, the trail is something I want to, you know, have a go at, but, uh, as you mentioned, the long list of things that I've signed up for, including a kid. Um, I'm not sure when or where that's going to fit in, but mm. yeah. So would the long-term goal be to do a marathon? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's uh, it's funny. Uh, Zulu's podcast you guys or interview you guys did a while ago, I really appreciated that because I think he described it best. I mean, he was a good 800 runner, yeah. a mile runner. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his guy says that you could do everything. You know, he has yeah. done all those diff- distances. And it's, um, yeah, I think that uh, running the beauty of it is that there's always something to discover, mm-hmm. right? You, you keep moving, you keep fit, um, you're always capable of doing something. Uh, and I always want that idea of if I were to go in the national park and get lost for three hours, I could probably make my way back to civilization and be okay. And so just kind of that feel I want to keep... Yeah, for much of my life as possible as long as you don't have to go over 32 k's of course yes exactly and I fall yeah. apart I'll cry <laughs> send uh, send in the rescue <laughs> that, that is the beauty of like running as a 
I don't know, I'm not calling you middle-aged, but as an older runner, you, you don't have to pigeon yourself, you know, pigeonhole yourself. You can do a whole bunch of stuff, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I look at, um, so athlete load is a big thing we really got to focus on, right, for everyone. But I find nowadays, especially where we are in the Shire with youth athletes, um, that they're super keen, the parents are super keen on doing everything, right? And I think it's great. That attitude is awesome. Um, but that said, you know, when a kid's doing five organized sports every season mm. and you know they want to do four or five running sessions a week like that that's hard on the human body at all different parts of uh, development um, but I think one thing for running in terms of you know keeping doors open for for people as they get older mm. um, you know go for a few longer runs right I mean the guys that coach are kind of they're 16 to 19 um, you know, we just kind of looked at, oh, I kind of want to train for, I want to do a half marathon. But yeah, no problem. I, I probably wouldn't recommend training full time for a half marathon at that age because, you know, 100, 130 Ks a week is heavy for somebody who's just getting out of puberty, you know, not finished growing. But, you know, if you go for a 15 K run a few times a month, it's great. Okay. It opens up your repertoire. Body handles that okay at that age. What's that? Body handles that okay at that age. Yeah. 16 to 19. Yeah. 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 I think so. That's good. I was going to ask that exact question. How yeah. far for youngsters? That's yeah. Great. So about you reckon, recommend to, like to do a marathon no younger than 23? Would you say? Yeah, that's that's tough. So um, I think races have minimum ages. Mm. Generally, 18. 18 is the key. Yeah. 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 And it's just. I think that is a good blanket rule for the reasons of, again, if you put in competition an event, it may not be the event, but it's training for it. Mm -hmm. So a good example is looking at how young uh, triple jump is introduced as a competitive event in youth sport. Again, it, I think we should teach the, drill, the, the skills mm -hmm. of triple jump to little A's, to you know, all of our young athletes, definitely. But as soon as you start putting that competition there, right the carrot um again mainly parents but but kids coaches all that they start going for it right mm -hmm. and again it's the training that's tough yeah. so the last step of um national international level triple jumpers is somewhere between 11 and 20 times your body weight yeah, yeah. and so and that's with good technique mm -hmm. so you could argue maybe it's less with bad technique um it might be more on uh, with bad technique mm -hmm. right and so when you start training three, five times a week as an 11 year old for that many times your body weight, you know, how many repetitions are doing that? What's the cost on ankle, knee, hip, back, etc. I mean, <laughs> severs and Oshkosh slaughters disease, the prevalence has skyrocketed in the past five years. Mm -hmm. I don't think, yeah, it, I think it's getting diagnosed more, but um, I think it's happening more because mm -hmm. again, a lot of structured sport is being introduced younger and younger let's play more sport correct yeah. yeah yeah so it's um yeah it's a bit of a tough place to navigate and i think as youth coaches or as a youth coach one of my jobs is help creating that well-rounded athlete rather than you know you're not necessarily going to be a 1500 runner for life from age nine that's right right you might be but it would be really cool if you knew how to play soccer and you knew how to swim and you knew how to mountain bike mm. and you happen to be really good at running Right, but that that's probably your best case scenario. Mm -hmm. I think that that plays out in the 
the, the 70 odd interviews that we've done, there's, there's not too many people who have gone from gun junior athlete and then just kept going through to being a gun senior athlete. There, there, there are so many breaks in the chain or they've come and gone and come back. It just doesn't doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm a great nine year old fifteen hundred runner, and then I go to the Olympics as a fifteen hundred runner. Like, you know, there's either stress fractures or there's a break. Something yeah. goes on there. Like, couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Borrowing a story, I believe it was Lindsay Watson who uh, who told this to me, but uh, he was you know, he's been part of the Bankstown Club forever, and he was saying that he coached a young girl, age nine, hundred meters. She loved it. She's the best in the club at that age. You know, fast forward. Um, 11 years uh, and she was then going to uh, world championships for 5,000 mm-hmm. uh, or you know 1,500 and so yeah you know you're not pigeonhole like you said as um, not only as distance runners but any type of athlete um, you know early uh, diversification and late specialization mm-hmm. is the best recipe for any athlete in any sport uh, and I'm going to nerd this up that there is research to <laughs> back this up if anyone wants the research papers and want to have a good way to fall asleep reading, <laughs> can, can we link it to the show notes? Can we do that? We could, but I won't. Fair. <laughs> Give it to you. Let's, let's, let's do that. Yeah. Now, now we will. Let's load it up. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. No, I'll send you a few. There, there are a few really good ones there. Written in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Baker out of the UK does a lot on that, and he has a lot of good narrative reviews that, that again, are written in English. Like okay. um, Yeah. Happy. To. I always prefer the English version. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fantastic, mate. On on the, I guess the the pushiness of, of adults of junior athletes. So, do you get a lot of sort of blowback from these people like wanting to push their kids further? How how does that balance sort of struck with you? Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm lucky in the group uh, that I don't say I've built, but I've been had the pleasure and honor of working with. Right, the the kids and the families that that stick around have stuck around for a few years. I love it. Uh, we have kind of our thirteen year olds um, joking around with our seventeen year olds, and it's just it's so cool to see that community. And so, that said, um, again, as a youth coach, you know, one of our main jobs is managing expectations, and that's of our athletes, but also of the parents. So there's always that conversation um, of you know how much is too much, how much is not enough. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say that I truly believe, <laughs> it goes kind of without saying, but every parent has their kid's best interest at heart, right? They're all doing what they feel is best for their kids, which is great. Um, I think the challenge is that we model, as a Western society, our ideas off of our superstars. You know, we need to stop trying to follow and become the next Michael Phelps or the next flow or the next, you know, um, they're, they're freaks of nature in a great way, right? Like if you look at Michael Phelps, he's the most awkward looking guy, his hands are down to his knees and right. He is gifted physically to do what he did. And, and many of the top, top athletes are the same. And so it's hard to look at, you know, again, and, and track our, oh, I want to be a Kipchoge or a Mo Farah. It's, it is difficult because they are genetically gifted. Mm. I think, you know, across the spectrum of athlete performance, we do better looking at the semifinalists. What do they do at, at world championships, Olympics, those kind of things. Mm. The ones who don't make it to the final, for example, what gets them to where they are, right? Um, and then 
with that recipe, you know, we can look at, okay, well then how do we tweak things to, to jump to that elite elite level? Mm-hmm. Do you think the uh, semi-finalists are looking at Kipchoge and trying to do what he's doing? Or, you know, that, that sort of example? Are they all doing the same stuff? I guess is the question. That's a good point. And, and you know what they might be? I think uh, running's a tough example because since so many people run, you're going to get so many people at different levels. Mm-hmm. And that just the statistics of variability again to nerd it up sorry Matt um, is that you, you, you narrow the difference between those athletes mm. so we always joke that in, uh, in swimming the top you know you look at a final the eight lanes the men are going to be between six foot two and six foot five and you know between whatever 70 and 80 keep well, you know 75 and 80 kilos mm. the women are you know very similar you're going to get very small variability mm. and so in running that probably extends down to your semi-finalists and a lot of those athletes but um i think that we get a broader view of what makes a good athlete instead of just the athlete that one guy yeah yeah it's like trying to follow matt north for example no one can be that genetically gifted that's it right absolutely <laughs> How, yeah, how do you? I, I try to train like you, and I just fall apart. Yeah. Just not... <laughs> Running three thirty pace in a straight jacket is not easy. Yeah, <laughs> not many people can do that. There's going to be some sort of record. Hang on, story. What? <laughs> uh, we've, we've, we've interviewed a few psychologists on the show in the past, and there's a good reason for that. Oh right, yeah, no, okay, I heard, yeah. <laughs> the Rory Darkins. Uh, yeah, 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 that was a good one. Yeah. Should, should we talk biomechanics? Yeah, I've, I've got something. You got something? I've got heaps. All right, I'll start then. Yeah. So tell us, the, when we talk about biomechanics, um, we're talking about improving movement, fluency, uh, and reducing the risk of injury. Um, something that you, you discussed when I was doing the level two course with you was you talked about step length and stride length. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's uh, this is gonna be tough without a, a visual, and I think that's where I need to be a better instructor. <laughs> I need to explain things clearer. But I mean, we talk about overstriding is the idea of kind of our foot lands too far in front of our body and we heel strike, right? We're kind of familiar with that. Um, I would argue that uh, that probably be better described as overstepping, um, because our stride is actually the horizontal distance our body moves forward between. Um, consecutive footfalls of the same leg. Mm-hmm. So you, you actually want to have a big stride length. As long as possible. As long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned it kind of running economy, right? If you can get a longer stride length for the same effort, uh, boom, right? That's efficiency. That's fantastic. That's what we're really all shooting to do. Um, the idea of overstriding or again, this overstepping is that again, our foot lands in front of our body. Yeah. Um, and you can just very simply uh, see that that would cause a breaking force or, you know, we'll start to slow us down as we hit our heel and we don't start moving forward. We don't start pushing the ground backwards until our body weight comes over that foot. It's got to catch up. Exactly. Got to catch up. So you, you recommended a really good app that I've used with, um, with my team. What's the name of that app again? Uh, Huddle Technique. So H U D L Technique. Yep. And it's, it's awesome. So if you download that app, you can film um, you, yourself, your friends running or whatever, and it slows down. It's really easy to control that slow motion. So you can look at your gait and uh, use that as a reference to adjust your stride maybe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that's that was a really useful tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, that's my go-to, and actually, my wife Bree, that um, she's kind of the brains behind. She's me. a physiotherapist. Is she? Yeah. yeah, yeah, dead too. Yeah, that's <laughs> 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 it. She'll never listen to this. So that's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Oh, yeah. um, wives never do. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so screwed up. I want you to be right. <laughs> um, so. The other apps that are similar to Huddle Technique would be Coach's Eye uh, or Dartfish. Mm-hmm. Um, those are other common ones. But essentially, like you said, you slow it down, zoom in, zoom out, draw angles. Um, I like just drawing straight lines. So, for example, kind of beat down. Exactly. So, you know, from your, you're looking at your hip from a side view. This is kind of ish where your center of mass is, right? Mm-hmm. And so then if an athlete is, is landing with their heel in front of that center of mass, well, we're, we're being a little bit less efficient than we could be. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, the um, lower speeds that we tend to run, uh, we will heel strike more and that's fine. Um, but for anything kind of, you know, especially track and field, um, but even 5,000, uh, 10K, you kind of want to land at least flat foot or on your forefoot, yeah. which I'm sure people are familiar with that terminology. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of ways to look at that. Excellent. That's good. Yeah. Do you do your video in on the treadmill or do you try to get out in the field and, and video? Yeah, both. Um, I really like uh, just getting out to an oval uh, or a track. Mm. And so um, just as long as there's no one doing any throw training in the middle, <laughs> um, I, I like to kind of um, take a video of them running down the back straight and then I run straight across the field and take another video uh, from the uh, home straight um, and look at kind of different parts of a rep and, and then on fatigue, how do people look? Mm. And so then I start having conversations with the athletes. Of, well, you know, when you're fresh, this is looking good. That's great. You know, you're landing here, fantastic. But, you know, let's say we're doing a 1K rep and in the last 400 meters or 1K rep, mm-hmm. your hips started to drop, your foot was landing in front of you, you know, your, your chest is falling forward. We'll need, we need to work on these things under fatigue mm-hmm. because what's the important part of a race, you know, how do you perform under fatigue? So, uh, yeah, those are just a few things that I like working with and highlighting for athletes. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. great. We, we've done a bunch of that using huddle technique on the treadmill, just having a look at injury sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you're, you're getting them when they're fresh, you know. You're not seeing these biomechanical sort of faults in, in the first five, ten minutes of them running. So it's so valuable to have that fatigue yeah. play there. It's good. Well, and so this is interesting. I'm going to check a question to you. Um, what things, if you could pick one or two or Three. Uh, what are the key things of technique you guys like to look at? Look at on the treadmill. Yeah, and it's it's certainly that that foot strike, I guess, and where it is in relation to hip um, center of mass, like you say, and then looking at you know sort of lean from from the ankle or the hip. I guess they're probably the you know the, the big players there, and then you, I guess you're looking for any. Uh, lateral or rotational movements through hip and shoulders and trying to minimize that sort of stuff so yeah, yeah. first question i reckon i've been asked on the show yeah Why, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nope. how do i go is that right? no, well, I, was gonna, I was gonna say no I, I i love that that uh you're just so clear about in what you like looking at and i think that's the biggest take on biomechanics um we you know biomechanics as a field is simply a set of tools to look at or quantify what we already like doing. Um, I think too often we're sold on devices um, or services or you know the next 
you know, red hot fad of biomechanics mm-hmm. um, to try to find that, you know, that silver bullet. And it just doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right? It's just very simply, you know, from a coaching point of view, or, or if you want to improve your technique, you know, what are the principles that you feel you can change so that you can be a better runner? Okay, well, let's use video. Let's use these different pieces of technology to help us do that better. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, it, it isn't a, uh, there's no eureka moment really with measuring things mm-hmm. if you aren't clear with how you want to use them as an athlete or as a coach or as a clinician. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Let's seal the bullet stuff. Um, a lot of uh, information out there about different running techniques, pose technique chi running blah 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 there's a whole bunch of different sort of things um do you think there's value in that sort of uh i guess structured approach to technique or are we really just individual animals that need individual sort of processes yeah i'm going to give a really bad researcher answer of uh it's a little bit of both (laughs) it depends it depends so so a there is no one size fit all yeah that's good that's an answer right Uh, B, I think there are principles that we can follow, though, right, as guidelines. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we don't have these guidelines, we're really shooting in the dark. And then it's kind of, you know, how many runners can you um, trial and error with until you figure out your own principles. Mm -hmm. And so I think the principles, like you highlighted, were, um, you know, we want a bit of a lean forward from the ankles, you know, not pushing forward from uh, the chest or or the hips. we generally want to land with our foot under us. Uh, and again, we hear about this four foot running. Um, just in my years of experience and uh, working with different athletes, I find that the, the cue of, oh, just, just run on your forefoot, is probably one of the most ineffective ones. Okay, <laughs> that's good. While that's what we want to do, um, that's kind of, that's an external cue, right? Uh, and I think that we can achieve that by cueing internally. Uh, and so Matt would mention this in the, in the course, in the coaching course, that um, cadence, so steps per minute. If you just tell someone to take more steps, um, mechanically, uh, you have to move your feet quicker. And to do that, you can't reach as far forward um, as you'd want to. And so that kind of changes your mechanics. And so therefore, your foot tends to land further Closer under your body. And so just a simple thing of, um, you know, counting your number of steps for 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, And so generally you want to be around that 180 steps per minute. Uh, So if you get 45 steps in 15 seconds, uh, you're in a pretty good spot. You're in the zone. In the zone, right? All right. That's some great advice, mate. Uh, And I reckon most of our listeners probably listen to the show while they're out running. So... That's a great cue for them to, you know, pick up the heels a bit quicker, get that cadence up a little bit. You talk about 180 beats per minute being uh, optimum, well, talked about optimum cadence. I I hear a lot of people going, oh, but Mo Farah runs at 162 steps per minute, blah, 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 blah. Um, Is 180 worth shooting for? In short, yeah. I mean, it's, um, now I'll be honest, is. Uh, more or less an anecdotal um, quote-unquote truism that's kind of come out. Uh, Now that said, I haven't dove into the the research about it, but um, it's funny, before I started getting, uh, I guess, pedantic about my 180 steps per minute, Mm. 
Um, I went back and looked at my Garmin data, and that's just how I raced. Mm -hmm. um, and I looked at some of my friends uh, who are much better than I am, you know, and they're running 30 minute 10Ks, and they're like 180 to 190. And so it's, you, you, you kind of think that, again, you're asking, well, is there uh, something that everyone should shoot for? Mm -hmm. it, it seems that humans for middle distance running, um, 180 steps per minute is how our bipedal bodies work very well. Aerobics. Yeah, like aerobically. So uh, I think there's enough, there, there are enough data out there to, to support it. Um, but yeah, now, now don't get stressed if like, oh, I'm only 175. If you're like 120 steps per minute, yeah, up it, right? <laughs> um, you're also a zombie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um yeah, I mean 180 steps per minute, loose goal. Good. No, I'm I'm happy with it. It's just such a simple number to work towards. Like I don't see any value in sort of poo pooing that idea. 180 piece of piece, just there do that. Go. Yeah. Cookie cutter. Yeah, it's good. I'll um quickly about that. I, I did use that. I used to overstride or overstep. Sorry, um, and um, so when I tried to fix it, this is the type A personality in me and how I'm not. Um, I would set my watch for a fifteen second uh, buzz, uh, an alert, and so I count my steps in that fifteen seconds, and I'd go out for an hour run and make sure that I was. Counting the whole time. Yeah, the entire time. And like not, not just for one <laughs> So You can borrow my straight jacket. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. I, I did this for like two months a few years ago. Because <laughs> I, kept, like, I kept getting these stress fractures and I still didn't know I had celiac disease. And I thought, oh, something's got to change. And so I, I changed it. And um, yeah. It worked. My my friend, she's a she was a pretty good sprinter, and she's like, "You're you're crazy." I would I've never. I mean, she was national level swimmer sprinter. She's like, "That no, you don't need to do that. You're nuts." And, and she was right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, that's good. Can I can I get some free advice here? I'm going to talk about my own biomechanical uh, flaws, I guess, mm -hmm. of which there are many, but I'll just focus on one. Yeah. Um. So. You know, you get, you get your occasional uh, race photograph sort of situation. And anytime my foot looks like it's about to hit the ground, it looks like I'm about to roll and sprain my ankle. Like, yeah. I, I think mm -hmm. I have the reverse problem of, you know, your classic pronator. I think I'm in the, in the category of supernators. Yeah. Um, is, this, is this a real thing? Should I be worried about this? So 100%... Um, the phenomenon of race pictures and nobody looks good in them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's an example. Well, everything else looked amazing. Yeah. Just my foot. <laughs> um, yeah, so that kind of stuff, like Matt was saying, uh, the, the, any app that you can slow down the video, look at an entire stride. So mm -hmm. kind of right foot contact, the next right foot contact. And even better, try to look at three or four of them in a row. Um, that kind of... Uh, sole of your foot facing in looks like you're going to roll your ankle um, there's a good chance it started from the step before mm -hmm. and so you know 
I, my philosophy is work from the middle out. And so, you know, what's going on at the core, if we make a little bit of a change there, it'll be uh, amplified by the time it gets down to your foot, mm -hmm. for example. So throwers, that's why they talk a lot about shoulder hip position, X factor, these kind of things to affect, you know, what happens at the shoulder and, and then the arm and the hand. So have a look at that. You know, if you land on your, let's say you roll in more on your left foot. Mm -hmm. If you land on your right foot and you see that you're, you collapse, your right hip pokes out, um, then you, know, you have to fight against gravity to bring yourself back up into your step on the left foot. Well, that's gonna change or affect how the, you know, the trajectory or the motion of your left hip goes through before you get your foot down. Yeah. And so there, it's, it's a pretty complex question, mm -hmm. but like I said, start from the middle and work your way out um, and look at, okay, I'll do, I, do I collapse on the right side then I have to fight to get back up? Okay, well that, you know, we could probably work on that doing some side planks on the right side or, you know, in a push-up position and you just raise one hand off the ground and don't let anything move. Really good um, rotation resistance training to teach those core muscles, the oblique muscles on your side of your, of your abs to control your body position for each step. You know, does that endurance, does that strength alone allow you to move from your right foot to your left as an example? It's, it's, it's amazing when you, when you slow down and look at people's, different people's gait in the air. Yeah. The, feet, the foot does a, a crazy amount of moving in between from leaving the ground to landing again. As so it flaps around yeah, sideways it, it a bunch. Yeah, it flaps around <laughs> yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, I, look, a still photo could be misleading. Mm. Um, yeah, until you sort of slow it down and look at it. So rather than doing the rotational strength work and working in my obliques, I should just palm it off as a misleading photo? Completely. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, that's a better answer. It's much easier. Yeah. Sorry I wasted your time. <laughs> and we're done. All right. <laughs> <Don't care>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, next biomechanics. Yes. Yeah. Um, marathon runners. Mm -hmm. In general, they're quite short people. Um, if you think about the lineup at any major race, a lot of short runners. Are taller people disadvantaged over longer distance? Yeah, I. Uh, this is going to be me speaking from my head. I don't have any research or nothing. So you can speak from. Yeah, fair enough. Fair, fair enough. enough. Yeah. Um, so from what I've seen, yeah, I mean, and it goes down to, I believe, the, the mechanics and levers, right? Taller person is going to have a longer femur, a longer lower leg than a shorter person. And so um, the energy required to move that lever, and then with longer limbs, you're going to have larger mass of the leg. And so you just have to use more muscle energy, more force to move that mass under you with every step. Yep. That alone, you look at then extending that over, you know, your elites, mm -hmm. that two hours to two hours, 10 minutes, yep. um, a crazy amount of amplified uh, energy expenditure mm -hmm. versus someone who's shorter. Um, then from there, in terms of the biomechanics, um, I think there's a very good reason why 800 runners are tall, mm -hmm. uh, 400 runners are tall, uh, one and two runners, Kind of all over the shop, but the Usain Bolt is tall. Though. Well, good point, but he's a freak, yeah. right? Again, he's in the Michael Phelps in the flow, and mm -hmm. the you know you can't so reproducing reproduce, yeah. yeah. Um, but you look at uh, like again, line up eight sprinters in an Olympic final, you get very small variability. Other than Bolt, like Gatlin, mm -hmm. yeah, he's he was massive. He's a bull. He's short. Yeah, right. He's shorter. Um, our our boy Jared. Um, 
you know, I feel like a jerk PEI boy um, who was that, you know, the... Some Canadian. Some Canadian. Yeah. Nah, he was one of the only Canadians to, to get pretty far in the 100 meter since Donovan Bailey. Um, but anyway, he, you know, the same thing, short dude, uh, works hard, fast. And so the, there are reasons behind those things. So yeah, I think with the marathon runners, distance runners, there's an advantage to be closer to the ground, uh, but also I think it's just the limb length uh, is a big thing. Yeah, cool. That's yeah. good. Yeah. On, on a similar note, do shoes just need to be as light as humanly possible? Uh, yeah, I mean, simply, yeah. If you carry around 200 fewer grams per foot, mm-hmm. you know, 42K, 42.2K, you're looking at, you know, over 42,000 steps. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, are you going to lead into questions about shoes and ideas around that? Well, we are, but before we do, mm-hmm. can we go and speak to Abby at Precision Hydration because I've lined up a chat with her oh, cool. about the weight of shoes and how that affects performance. Let's go to Abby. I'm with Abby from Precision Hydration. How are you, Abby? I'm good, thank you. I'm really good. How are you? Very well, thank you. So our topic today, does the weight of running shoes affect speed and performance? So my question to you is, if I'm wearing lighter shoes, does that result in faster times? Certainly the early research was was all about the weight of the shoes and the finding was lighter was better, definitely, which makes sense, doesn't it? The standard like statistic you'll see out there if you try and Google this is adding 100 grams of weight to a pair of shoes increased energy demand by around 1%, which is a nice, easy sort of stat to remember. And the simple physiology there is you have slightly more weight on your feet, the lower muscles of your body having to work slightly harder, so it reduces your energy efficiency at your running um, economy a little bit. And then that kind of led into this idea of, right, so lighter is, is better, um, but is it faster? And so they started running performance trials on it and lo and behold, yes, out on the track when they were running time trials, they added 100 um, grams to a shoe. Performance time seemed to decrease by about 0.8%. So tied in very nicely with them early laboratory studies. And so, yes, it, you know, the simple answer is lighter is better. Um, of course, now we've, you know, well advanced beyond just the weight of the shoe and there's so much more technology um, that gets discussed nowadays. Yeah, so the, the, the new innovations over the last couple of years are the, the carbon plate and uh, and then the type of foam as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of the a lot of people are, you know, trialling and running in shoes with, with carbon plates and, and different foams. Yeah. And... Uh, and you know, have have the results shown that these the, this technology is improving times? Definitely, I, th- I think even you know you don't even need to look at the research really to to see to see that. Just look at the, the marathon times over the past few years. I think in twenty nineteen it was something crazy like thirty one out of thirty six podium spots in, in the big marathons were athletes wearing a pair of nights um 
and I'm saying knights because obviously we all are aware that they're the ones that are really driving this advancement um, in the shoes. You know, records are being broken all over the place. I think something like five of the fastest men's times were run in 2019. Again, all in, in those shoes. I don't think you can just say that, you know, we're getting this flurry of really great runners. You know, there's something there. Um, certainly the, the lab that there is, um, yeah, there's definitely a, a performance improvement, but the research is pretty early. You know, it's out on the market really before we fully know, I was going to say damage, the damage done, but that's probably a bit of a negative um, way of perceiving it. But, you know, they're out there being used before we quite know the, the enhancement that they're going to bring. Has um has your research found anything on on Kip Chobi's shoes? Can you can you debunk the myth that he had three carbon plates in his sub two hour attempt? Yeah, yeah. So the the alpha flies, um, that was of course what was going around, wasn't it? The rumor that um, when he broke the two hour record, he had three carbon plates in his shoes. But now we know that's not the case. They're out on market, and they they've only got one carbon plate. Um, it in fact appears to be the foam used gives a greater energy return. So general foams in a running shoe, I think, give around you know 60 to 70 percent energy return. Nike's earlier models started to give back about 80 percent, and now you've got the Alpha Flies that give back something like 90 percent, which is you know huge. Um, That's amazing. You've also got the third component in in the alpha fly so you've got the plate the foam and then they've got these airpods on the forefoot um, which is a new innovation for them as well and it's meant to give more propulsion um, during that toe-off phase so um, i would love to, to have a run in a pair and just see what they feel like um, they look out of this world don't they they look like moon shoes i just can't imagine running in something with such a high high uh, heel stack have you have you seen um are, are they in in the shops in the uk then they're, they're not um they're not available here in australia yet are they not no they are here i've got a friend i've got a running friend that um he's he's nabbed himself a pair um he's had them i think seven weeks he's yet to wear them they're too precious apparently they've not got an awful lot of legs in them you know there's a relatively limited number of miles miles in them who's saving them for special occasions, but I need to um, ask him to put them on and I need to get his review of what he thinks. But yeah, no, they are definitely, they're definitely here. When are they coming to Australia? Do you know? In, in, in August. Not too long then. No, that's right. So they're due. Um, so what about uh, the World Athletics Association? They've had to put in some rules because of these new innovations. Can you can you elaborate on them? Yeah, so the, the rules are you're not allowed a heel stack greater than 40 millimetres, which was handy for like alpha flies, wasn't it, when they came out at 39.5 or something. Um, it's now limited to one carbon plate. So there won't be any three carbon plated shoes coming out or not legal ones anyway. Um, and that plate must be in the same plane within the shoe. Um, so we just had a little discussion, didn't we, Matt, off, off recording of, I don't know, you know, 
innovation there is whether they could use one plate and put it in two planes or something. I imagine there's, you know, there's a reason that that's been written into the, the regulations. Um, the spikes, they are now allowed a plate beyond the one that is sort of already in the sole of the shoe. Um, that their stack height is 30 millimeters. And then the sort of the biggest one that was going to affect the, the upcoming Olympics was this um, ruling that any shoe had to be commercially available for at least four months. So it basically banned any prototype shoes. So if you're going to compete in a shoe, it had to be widely available to everyone for at least four months. And that, of course, is sort of putting a bit of a time pressure on earlier this year with all these other running brands to kind of catch up. You know, we've got to produce a shoe in a few months and get it out to market. And so I suppose one sort of minor positive to the, the Olympics being delayed is we're probably going to see, you know, further advancements um, in shoes or, or just that sort of narrowing of the gap perhaps between Nike and other brands because it allows other brands a bit more time to bring something to market. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I know ASICs and New Balance have brought out their own um, own type of, 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 of yeah, I've had a, a, a go of the ASICs Meta Racer, so that's their version. Yeah, that's the one I was looking at the other day. They look good. Yeah. Have you worn them, Matt? Yeah, yeah. So they, um, they're nice. They're uh, they're light and fast, and yeah, um, yeah they 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 would be good on a uh, in a race and a track. But there's um, we haven't been <laughs> had any races to to you know compete in, I guess, because exactly. of the current climate. Yeah. yeah. No, they they look good. I was I was reading something, and they brought out a couple, haven't they? They they've got a sprint shoe, and was it a volleyball shoe as well? Was the third one they brought out or something? I don't look at other. I don't look at other sports. No, <laughs> tunnel no, vision. Just yeah, yeah, tunnel vision. Yeah. No, but no worries. Look forward to seeing what what the others do. I think it'll be a very exciting year in the shoe world. Yeah, absolutely. Where where will we end up? Where will the technology take us? It's interesting. Yeah, God knows. Thanks very much for your time, Abby. Great chatting to you and I uh, appreciate your time. It's always valuable. So if um, like all the, um, the the topics that we cover, the there's uh, information or the, the blog is on your website, Precision Hydration, so our listeners can read the full article. And also if they purchase any products from Precision Hydration, they can use our discount code at the checkout and that's Running Matters 15 to get 15% discount off their first order. So thank you very much, Abby, and we'll catch up and chat soon. Yeah, speak soon. Thanks, Matt. Take care. And we're back. Wonderful. Thanks for that, Abby. That was awesome. All the way from the UK. Fantastic. We yeah. are moving around today. Yeah, That's well, good. that time difference. That's I mean, good. how we work that in is incredible. <laughs> 3,100 meters all the way over to the UK. Yeah, mm. so back to the shoes. I mean, we've already talked about them anyway, but. Uh, the weight of shoes, lighter for longer distance, but because you don't have that cushioning, is that going to be more taxing on the legs and therefore have a residual effect? I, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a big trade-off. You know, when that's... Um, love any running store that has a treadmill in it because there's a good chance that that, you know, company's going to teach their staff how to use it. And, you know, that you kind of show... You get to individualize the, the shoe selection. Yeah. Um, and so with that, 
runners, uh, you have, you know, again, ones who uh, invert their ankle or, or, or supinate, others it's, uh, or sorry, uh, pronate, supinate, others that pronate. Um, you know, you need that shoe to fit that type of runner at that given point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so some may need more cushioning and with cushioning comes a little bit more weight. That's, that's fine, right? Injury-free is a higher priority yeah. than um, running fast today. Yeah. Because if you're injury-free, you can train for more consecutive weeks mm -hmm. without a break mm -hmm. because you're injured, right? So that, that's our number one priority. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the other things, I mean, yeah, I mean, with the, the four percenters that came out with Nike, it's, um, I think they're about time that we put that much more money and involvement into the only piece of technology that we need to run, mm -hmm. you know, is a shoot. Mm -hmm. So why is this not happening earlier, mm -hmm. right? It, it blows my mind. And then again, like side note that, uh, you know, IOC and, and um, uh, IAAF are all talking about banning the shoes. It's like, <laughs> Again, it's the only piece of technology and only now in 2018 and on mm. that we're having issues. Mm. Like I'd say go for it. Just as long as every athlete gets um, fair and equal access to yeah. any type of shoe, right? Yeah. Do what um, uh, the Olympics did in Beijing. You know, they put a pause two days into the swimming and they said every single athlete has to be offered uh, a speed suit, yeah. you know, a speedo speed suit. They're not sponsored, they cover the speedo emblem, that's fine, but that leveled playing field and pushed the technology on. Mm. And I think with shoes, um, yeah, I mean, the thing with the four percenters is that the four percent is the percent um, uh, of uh, improvement on average. Mm. So we talk about people who responded to the shoes and then non responders. Yeah. So four percent was average. That means that there are people, you know, who, who improve by 12% yeah. of whatever metric that Nike gave. Some also, I imagine, got slower. So, the, you know, those special shoes aren't for everyone. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've actually, should we get a first listener question relating to this conversation? Do you mind? No, I don't. No, no, no. I love a listener question. Good, yeah, good. Wonderful. So, <clears throat> this is a listener question from Luke Campbell. And he says, I have a shoe fetish, and I love a shoe with a carbon plate. Mm -hmm. Are there long-term impacts on wearing shoes with carbon plates? I don't think we know enough yet. Um, you know, they're, they're still 350. For well, that's <laughs> an impact. That's an impact. You have no cash left, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Go. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%, right? Um, it's funny. I was, uh, I was asking uh, Nathan Breen, local, local legend, young kid, just killing it. Um, just ask him, you know, I was trying triathlon a few years ago, what shoe does he use? And he says, oh, the next percenters, you got to invest. And I thought, like, man, you're, you know, one of the best under 23s in the world. Yeah, it makes sense that you have. <laughs> yeah, nice for you. Yeah, I said, like, hey, I'm about to have a kid, and my wife would kill me if I got a $350 pair of shoes. <laughs> but so, back to the listener's question uh, on the text line. Um, again, I don't think we know enough because it isn't out there, it hasn't been out there yeah. long enough. You know, yeah. you need someone running in it for a long period of time and enough people running in them for a long period of time and then look at how injuries come up. Uh, and then there are the confounding factors of, you know, did you get a new shoe and you felt really fresh and then you started running four more times a week than you mm -hmm. used to? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that said, 
Um, I mean, you look at everything from Vibrams and the, you know, the five finger shoes and there's nothing to them and a bunch of injuries and lawsuits from that. Are we going to look at the same thing with these carbon plates? I don't know. Uh, but I mean, shoes have, have changed significantly over the past 20 years from one end to the other. So we'll know with time at the end of the day, I think, running what you feel good and keeps you uninjured. Can you explain how the carbon plate complements running, how it, how it helps performance? Yeah, so uh, stiffness is the big thing um, and, and, and returning uh, energy. So if you think of that carbon plate, you know, where it's set up is also very important, right? It tends to be from the forefoot to the midfoot, right? There's no point in putting it all the way back to the heel. So A, right off the bat, that means you gotta be a, a midfoot or a forefoot runner. Because the idea is that you, you know, you land on your forefoot, you flex the plate, and then it, it's rigid, so it pops back, and it when it pops, it pushes you forward. Mm -hmm. So that, again, the people who are higher responders have the running technique that is conducive. Yeah. And so, with all that being said, um, yeah, I mean, for the right person, it is going to give you a mechanical advantage. Yeah. Uh, you know, black and white. So, is it cheating? I don't believe so. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it was, no, you know, it was unfair. Uh, after the 2008 Olympics, you know, Michael Phelps did what he did. It was incredible, right? Nine medals, nine gold medals. So then, uh, what was it? Seven months later or something, um, Biederman from Germany came out and won the 200 free and shaved like a second and a half off his best time. You don't do that in seven months when you're, you know, an Olympic fighter. When, when you're at that level. No, no, no right? That, that's ridiculous. And so um, he wore the arena super suit that, uh, uh, what's that in kilo? It was seven pounds to sink it. So what's that? Three kilos mm. to sink a swimming suit. Mm -hmm. That's unfair. It's a flotation device. It is. And so the, the Speedo uh, fast skins was uh, something like five pounds, so whatever, two and a half kilos or 2.2 kilos. Um, so that is why um, the uh, FINA, uh, the International Swimming Federation, went and banned the suits. And I agree with that because that is unfair. You're right. It's a flotation device. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. But with the shoes... No, this is the first time in history we've had a conversation about equipment in running. Yeah, for sure. But, but when does a carbon plate become a spring, I guess, is the, is the question. Like, how much is too much? Yeah, I think, I think it's good to have that conversation. Hmm. Um, you know, so, what is it? ASICS came out with three carbon plates. And, well, that was a big thing, right? But again, it just goes to the mechanics of the shoe and how is that going to return energy in the most effective way for a pocket of runners that run that way. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's very important to have those conversations. Is this unfair? Should we look at regulating shoes? Yeah, definitely, right? Look into it. Um, but to, you know, where do you go? Do you ban having a specific material in your shoe? Okay, that's one route. You know, do you ban the thickness? Okay. I have. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. No, exactly. So, for middle-aged men like myself, <laughs> Are you middle-aged yet? Four, yeah, fuck yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> when he has questions, you don't want the answers to. <laughs> I'm not offended, by the way. <laughs> do you get tissues in this room? Yeah. We do. Yeah. And, 
3,100 meters, we have tissues. That's right. I don't know. They're actually bacteria wipes. We're keeping it clean at oh, base camp. I'm happy to cry and do anything at this stage. <laughs> so, so carbon plate shoes. And so I like the, the Hocker, okay, yeah. Carbon X. And that's a uh, cheap version available at Renoa. It is. Fun. And so if I started doing my regular runs in them, are they going to give me uh, more longevity in my running as opposed to just going out and running in a normal pair of hockers without the carbon plate? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, I guess, parenthesis this comment by I'm probably not the best person to ask. Okay. Uh, that said, uh, a hocker, really interesting, right? It has a rocker on it. It pushes you to a flatter or a four-foot uh, landing because of how the foam is set up on that on that shoe. Uh, and I think Hawker was has been so successful because whatever they do with their shoe for enough number of people, you know, reduces um, injury incidents and, and people love them. You know, I spoke to a friend who was, was an Ironman, sorry, triathlete, I know. Oh, we love him. And your, oh, fr- yeah. your friends in Oh, loose term. Yeah, good, yeah, there good we answer, go. good answer. Awesome, saved it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he loved the Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they've worked, and I think that's why they've become such, such a successful company. Yeah. Um, but again, those are just my observations, so I'm not, I'm not the best person. Uh, so what I'm alluding to is can you run too often in just carbon-plated shoes? Um, I think you can run too often in any given type of shoe. Uh, the carbon plate... Uh, I've I've held the shoe and it is rock solid. Like you try to bend the uh, the toe of the heel to to you know the or sorry the toe of the shoe to the heel. It is rock solid mm-hmm. versus any other shoe you can just bend. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of you know we the foam is put in shoot for a little bit of cushioning so we don't get as much force uh, you know into our bones and our foot. Mm-hmm. Right? So that you know we decrease risk of injury. Um, but that said, if you have a you know a, a minimalist shoe, you look at uh, like the Saucony Fast Twitch or any of those. You know they're not a lot of cushioning, so maybe they you know the risk is the same. Mm. That said, I always encourage runners you know have at least two pairs of shoes that you cycle between weekly. Yeah. Right, and, and I think most people you know your our, our listener with the with the shoe fetish, uh, <laughs> great example. But no, it's it's healthy for the feet. It's healthy for your joints. All the way up to your lower back, it's. Um, I think it's important to have multiple shoes on the go. So if you've got that cushioning and support, would it, is that just transferring the shot further up the body to the hips, like uh, lower, lower injury? Yeah. So look at it this way: if you're, you know, you're standing on a on a foam mat yep. versus standing on um, hardwood floor, right? You, the hardwood floor feels. Um, less comfortable under your feet it, that kind of idea transfers up the chain yeah right uh all again all the way up to your back yeah. um and so in terms of the shoe having more cushion yeah i mean when you hit the ground the shoe def- the, the foam deforms uh and so it takes away um that we call them the peak forces so you know the maximum number of force in that that heel strike for example uh, and it spreads the force over time so it changes you know mechanically our impulse uh, and so when you know it's the same thing running on grass versus running on bitumen that grass is much quote unquote you know nicer to our joints because it spreads the force over time 
Um, and so it's a similar principle to our shoes. You know, back to your question about the carbon fiber plates. Yeah, I think um, if you're not used to running in them, if you're not used to running in a minimalist shoe, it's gonna be a very hard transition. Yeah. So, you know, move from something, I'm gonna use, um, oh, let's go with, with uh, a, uh, like a Mizuno, like a, a wave rider, right? Nice, pretty good cushion, all of that. If you're moving down, you know, to a more minimalist, you know, visit a few shoes before you get to a four mil drop minimalist track shoe or a road race shoe yeah. instead of jumping from a haka down to uh, yeah. you know your 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 fast switch such a big change just yeah. progression like anything like it's going from 20k to 100k a week it's mm-hmm. just progression for the tissue regardless oh, 100%. so you see a lot of people coming in with injuries what are your thoughts Hattie on the oh I mean I, I guess yeah I mean without having the, the science there in front of you I, I think if you're uh, constantly in that carbon plated shoe uh, I, th- I think the load is going to move slightly further up the chain there I think it's going to protect your your arch well but then the Achilles and calf is going to have to do more work so if you're strong enough to handle that cool yeah. if, if you're not then you're probably going to see some injury there. So I think Jordan's point about mixing up the shoes is is a winner. Yeah, three or four on the go. Yeah, and <laughs> you can get them from Ranala. Sean at Ranala. We might go to him now to chat about the Asics Evo ride just quickly. Oh, quickly! I wear that shoe. Love it. Fantastic. Cracking shoe. So good. Yeah. Bring it on, Sean. Okay, we're down here in uh, beautiful sunny Cronulla in the Ranulla store with Sean the Godfather Tyndale. How are you, mate? Good, Paul. Good, Paul. I'm going not too bad. I've recently just overcome a bout of the beautiful plantar fasciitis. <laughs> mate, it's a long haul, isn't oh, it? Oh, 10 weeks in a boot. Yeah. But I'm lucky it was only 10 weeks and I'm on that coming out the other side now. On and, the right uh, track, good. Hopefully on the right track, yeah. Back to some running, mate? Slowly. Okay. Slow steps, small steps, but uh, yeah, it's a wonderful thing, the old planter. <laughs> Mate, it's a, it's a, a dark art treating plantar fasciitis. Oh. There's um, all sorts of witch doctory that goes on. Mate, there. I got a lot of advice. <laughs> and uh, Come down to the shop no, and find no, out how to do it. Yes, none of it, uh, some of it was good, others, yeah, but anyway. All right, well, we're on the other side, that's good, mate. Yeah, so looking forward to getting back out and... Yeah, testing out a few trails. That Very good, mate. It's starting to dry up now. It's, uh, yes. Yeah, good trail season. Mate, we're here to uh, have a have a chat about the Asics Evo ride. I've the, been uh, yes. in these for maybe two or three weeks now, probably 100K, I reckon. They've been sensational. Yeah, yeah. What well, can you, you tell us? You've been running in the Glide ride? Yeah, I had a couple of pairs of the Asics Glide ride previously, yes. um, which I loved. They were just... Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Like, and the, um, the Evo ride is sort of like a step down from the glide ride. Yep. Uh, it's about 10 millimetres lower okay. to the ground yep. um, and about 40 grams lighter. Oh, mate, it feels it too. Like, you really do notice that. Yeah. Yep. Picking up the heels was certainly a lot quicker and easier. Yep. I mean, As- ASICs came out with the glide ride, the Evo ride, and then the Meta racer. Yep. Um, it's sort of a part of a trio of the, the ride family. And as a lot of people have noticed, they've got a really t- curved toe box. Yep. Um, so the technology on that, people are asking why they're going to that, that curved sort of toe rocker geometry technology. Mm. Um, basically, it's getting you to run 
on your flat to midfoot strike. Yeah. The push off through your gait is giving you that rocker action. So studies have found that it's reducing calf load by 20%. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So uh, it's obviously, which is less wear and tear on your body. Mm. You're not through push off through your gait. It's quite, it's a nice smooth transition. You're not, your foot's not planning and you're, you're lose, using a lot less energy through your gait. Less braking force. Less yeah. braking force. So basically quicker cadence, mm. smoother transition. Um, you're using less energy, so you're going to be running faster. It's going to be reducing um, injury. Mm. Um, Getting fatigued slower. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this technology is having, you know, you'll see it through other brands as well, mm. I think. And, um, yeah, it's been great, great feedback. Um, as yep. I said, it's, it's just getting that, it's assisting you through that gate, getting you to walk, uh, run uh, faster, mm. uh, which is, you know, what everybody wants to do. And uh, right. PBs. <laughs> That's right. Well, look, I noticed it in the glide ride straight away that it was just getting me rolling forward, and particularly at that higher cadence, it felt better the faster you went. Yes. And then the Evo ride has been the same, but better. So yeah. it felt like I could pick up those those heels really well and got rolling yeah. really nicely. And that's that rocker geometry. That's just it's it's that nice smooth transition through your gait yeah. and uh, teaching people to take smaller strides. Yeah. Uh, your, your foot strike underneath your hip, so it's reducing that load and that shock, mm. and it's getting you to run more efficiently. Yep. Yeah, definitely noticed all of those things. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the reviews um, have said as well that, uh, particularly uh, people that were running in Newtons, mm -hmm. um, that can't get them now, um, I've read quite a few reviews that have said the Evo ride is a similar feel to the Newton, okay. um, but without the lugs. Yep. So, so it's a lot smoother. Mm. So for people who are out there that can't get hold of Newtons, you should. it's a good shoe to try. Yeah, get Crowe um, Alexander in or a pair oh, of Evo rides. No, what do you think? No. no. <laughs> Lifetime contract. I think never. never. <laughs> yeah. Stick with the Newtons. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But obviously, yeah, distribution in Australia with the Newtons is hard to get yeah, at the yeah, moment. Gotcha. So, okay. um, yeah. so, yeah, jump in these and, and try them out. And, and what was the stack height on these things, on the, on the Evo ride? Stack height's about 2217. Okay. Yep, so it's a 5mm drop yep. as well. So it's a, it's a bit lower drop than your normal ASICs, mm -hmm. which your Kianos are normally about 10. Okay. GT2000 is 10 and, and Nimbus 10. So these are dropped down a bit. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's 2217. So it, it uh, fits in. Yeah, well, we should talk about that, yeah. the guidelines, I guess. So they have changed as far as international athletics for track races above 800 metres, am yes. I right? Yes, yeah. So what's the story there? What's, I think it's, it's the stack heights, they've pretty much banned anything above 25. Yep. Yeah, stack heights. So on the track. On the track. Yep. yep. So, yeah, these fit into it. Yeah, okay. the, the ASICS meta uh, racer or has fits into that they category. Well. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see um, what other brands do. Mm. Um, obviously, they're going to have to come up with... So it's good for, obviously, runners because yep. there's going to be more shoes and the tech is obviously going to have to drop down from that stack height. Yep. So, yeah. So no more big, big fat... Uh, no more big stack chunky... height on the track, yeah. Stack height on the track, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wore the glide rides for a 5K thing and I guess that... Gives me an asterisk next to my name for that race. Mate. Too fat. Too cute. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It's a pretty rubbish race anyway. And, and so, um, yeah, if, if anyone wants to come down and, and get themselves a, uh, a shoe that does fit that framework under 25 mil 
our stack height so the asics meta racer and the evo ride fit that fit that perfectly yeah yeah okay yeah i mean it's a great it's a great shoe um as i said the feedback's been really good nice cushion counter heel uh the tongue's nice and cushioned lacing system you know feedback doesn't they don't come undone um and yeah nice roomy toe box yeah yeah certainly a bit of wiggle room in there it feels pretty light on top as well yeah Mm. feel really comfortable so yeah yeah, mate, I'm in, I'm in stoked. They've been good. So, yeah, might, might be able to bring that PV, out, PV down a fraction. We'll see. Mate, I'm we'll sure see. you will. I'm sure you will. Get out there with the wolf pack and run a marathon yeah. in a few weeks. <laughs> Got to do your own races these days. Exactly. So, yeah. Virtual. We'll be out there. We'll be out there. The run against violence coming up. There's all sorts of stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. No, it's good. Yeah. Good yeah. to see. It it's, is. Um, yeah. Which is, it's, it's, there's a lot of that happening. And... Um, Obviously, disappointing with a lot of races being canned, but mm. yeah, if you can get on, watch this space. Watch this space, yeah. And what else is happening down in the shop, mate? Anything, anything new to tell us about? Uh, we're getting uh, some a bit more, a bit more running matters. matters. Kit. Kits like t-shirts and singlets will be coming in. Yeah, they're so at the printers at the moment. Some long sleeve shirts out there. Did Might I see be, that? Yeah, long sleeve shirts. Hopefully, no. they'll be here before winter. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, so yeah, and uh, so you still get your discount, Running yep. Matters listeners, yep, yep. come in, we'll look after you. Unreal, mate, and, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, mate, thank you once again, Sean, great pair of shoes, thank you, ASICs, um, get on down to Ranulla and say good day to Sean and Jenny and they'll look after you, just mention the podcast and there'll be a little discount, a bit of mate's rates coming your way. Excellent. Thanks, mate, see you soon. See you later. Thanks, mate, that was a... Uh, Great shoe of you. Mm. Well done, Sean. It's amazing that he's open this, this time of the evening on yeah. a Friday. Right, so we'll move on from shoes. Yeah. I, I, I want to talk body weight quickly because it's one of my favourite subjects. Um, can, can we all gain efficiency by losing kilos? Uh, that's, it's a, I'm going to say dangerous conversation. For sure. I'm ready to have it right yeah. now. No, I'm into it. And so... First and foremost, um, crack a beer while we're waiting. Good yeah, man. yeah. Like, yeah. Try, one, try one of those. Yeah, yeah for sure. New edition of City Brewery. Small City batch. Brewery. Yeah. Small batch. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I ended up sourcing uh, two six packs um, from Sydney Brewery. From Sydney Brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Gluten free. Who would have thought? I I wouldn't have. Let me have a taste. Amazing stuff. Mmm. Beer. Like, yeah, there you go. Mm. And you know what? If if a gluten-free beer can taste somewhat like beer, yeah. oh, love it. Yeah, that's right. yeah. That does. From what I remember yeah. beer tastes like, and again, it's been yeah, seven years. Gotta miss it. But yeah, they're getting better. They're getting better. Um sorry, body, body weight. weight. Yes. Back to the thing. <laughs> so uh number one thing uh, about uh any type of athlete performance, um, fuel, right? Food is fuel. And you look at way too often that athletes are yes trying to shave kilos because if you have to carry less weight in your shoes if you have to carry less weight in your body over your distance you're going to be better right um that said it often too often swings too far Mm -hmm. and you know um you get uh the um uh red s kind of abbreviation it's um yeah, Redis will be fine. Yeah, <laughs> the relative energy deficiency in sport. There we go. That's it. It's the altitude getting to me. <laughs> um, it's not the beer. No, yeah. no, not at all. Um, 
But so, it, you know, very slippery slope. Uh, and again, food is fuel. So very, very important to make sure that you have enough fuel to do the training that, that you're doing. Um, now that said, uh, you know, we in a westernized society, there's just way too much access to high sugar mm. foods that are so tasty um, that you know, go right to my hips. So it's, <laughs> but, but seriously, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's more the, the unhealthy food is, is the bigger thing that I feel, um, we can work a little bit better on, you know? Okay. Uh, so in terms of, you know, how much weight do you carry around? I worry when I'm working with athletes, when I work with anyone, worry less about how much you weigh and more about what the composition of what you eat, because that dictates what your body is right and so you know i'll sound like the typical food guide um you know promo but like vegetables those kind of things try to avoid anything in a jar you know just get things that are fresh um that your body will adapt to that as it adapts to training as you said paul and so i think that would be our best way to find what body weight we're in now that said, every athlete has an optimal performance body weight, an optimal training body weight. Again, my wife, Bree, um, uh, she was born Bree Jones. Uh, she was an Australian junior champion in triathlon. She was good. Um, unfortunately, many stress fractures in a short period of time uh, kind of ended her career. But uh, she knew what her race weight was. Mm-hmm. And black and white, if she was underweight, you know, four weeks leading up to a big race, she needed to gain weight or else she knew she would not perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the amount of training she was doing, it was, you know, often they didn't get overweight. And so it was getting up to, for, for her situation, a healthy, um, optimal training competition body weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that you find that out as an athlete, um, as you race. And so, you know, body, uh, body fat composition, skin folds, yeah, those are important. Uh, but I think a, the best metric is what body weight was I when I hit my PB, when I felt best in my race, when I felt like I could pick up the next day after training and go, go, go. That is probably your best litmus test. That's fantastic, mate. I love it. And I like the idea of coming up to an ideal weight as opposed to always coming down there. Yeah. That's, that's spot on. Thank you for that. Great. So sorry, I hogged I the conversation. No, no, <laughs> not at all, <laughs> mate. That's it's fantastic. Like that. it's, it's such a good book. Have you guys read Racing Weight by Fitzgerald? No, Fitzgerald. Yeah. No. no. no yeah, it's such a good book. And it, and it goes into uh, the details of... Um, you know, like what percentages of getting your body mass down for different sports and that sort of thing. And they talk about elite levels and sub-elite and general pops. What about some amateur? Like, <laughs> that, how many categories down is that? You <laughs> said racing weight? Yeah, racing weight. Was it racing weight? Yeah. Matt Fitzgerald. By Matt. Matt Fitzgerald. I'm writing it down on my things to read and watch list on my phone. Nice. Because that's... All right, while, while you're doing that, I'm going to ask a question about middle-aged runners, Okay. which is us, apparently. <laughs> so, how, how important is the role of cross-training and strength training as runners get older? Yeah, um, I'm going to borrow uh, what uh, uh, Crowey, uh, Craig Alexander said. In the, friend of the show. Friend yeah. of the show. Yeah. Uh, and fantastic, fantastic 
speaker in general, but I really like the, the episode um, that he did with you guys. Um, it's it, mix it up, right? He, I'm not, it was inherent in his sport being a, a triathlete, Ironman athlete. Uh, but for runners, yeah, mix it up. Um, get on the bike. Jump in the spandex. I hate to say it, guys. But I love it. Get into it. No, 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 no. Matt's face is just stone right now. Just, <laughs> just split shorts or nothing. Else. Yeah. <laughs> Elliptical, right? Just yeah. do something different. Um, water running. The, uh, the Athletics Australia coaching framework has put that as a very big part of our level three coaching. Uh, and so in that, the coaches chuck their swimmers on, get in the pool, and we do an hour and a half workout and, and look at that. Wow. Is that why we're doing a level three at Pimble's, Pimble Ladies College? Because it's got a pool there. It's the game plan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, keep an eye out for that. The, the uh, details change. have changed. But anyway, um, I digress. The, so you don't have to do it an hour and a half in the pool, water running, but you know, jump down to, uh, the ocean, go at the back, you know, just do hang, a, out. hang out at the back and just yeah. do some water running. You might get yeah. some funny looks from surfers, but runners get funny looks from everyone, so we should be used to it. That's right. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's shallow water running, deep water running, it's just chuck that in once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, go back to Lindsay Watts and his program. Um, Wednesdays are other water run, cycling. Uh, sorry, Linz, if I'm giving out your your secrets, but um, just other, That's other, good. yeah, yeah. I love it. That's mm-hmm. good. Do you need a bit of other? No, no. <laughs> I'm an other specialist. They get up here on the bike a bit. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's good. Actually, actually, I'll jump in with that. Um, strength work, mm-hmm. and and I don't mean you need to get under and squat 100 kilos. Uh, but something, excuse me, body weight related, um, movement pattern focused. Uh, just, I like to say you clean up um, movement flaws that way. And when I work with my athletes and, uh, and clinically, it's just all based on principal movement patterns. Mm-hmm. And if you can do those just a little bit better, um, fantastic. Great. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your go-to favorite exercise for runners to do movement pattern or strength-based wise? So one exercise. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give the the research que- uh, answer. Not as bad as it depends, but my number one, I love a good single leg squat. <sighs> but to do that well, yep. I have a progression that, for any given athlete, it'll be seven steps of different exercises, and generally mm-hmm. it'll start from a side plank because those lateral abdominal muscles the obliques are not switching on well enough to be able to do it properly so that uh yeah great answer what's your number one absolutely single leg squat single leg squat. if you can do a single leg squat well think about how many single leg squats you're doing in, over the course of a marathon mm. that's it lots yeah a, a few number at least a few <laughs> yeah and for for a lot of us, we want to activate our glutes. We want to get those large muscles working. What's the best glute activation exercise that you recommend? No, Adi, what's yours, man? Oh, mate, I, I just think you keep it simple. Yeah, I, I think just doing some glute bridging stuff. Yeah. Get that hip extension happening at the same time. That's good. Just laying on the floor, knees bent, bum in the air. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, combine that with single leg squat. Yep. How can you lose? Oh, love it. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Fantastic. So talking about the uh, the coaching stuff, um, how poor a student was, woof, 
Uh, you've just been in your level two coaching, I, I believe. I walked out a lot, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. The reason why Wolfie walked out and, and I'll admit I was sneaking out while they're doing group work, that was the night that Jess Hall was at uh, and the rest of them were at Bankstown. Yeah. Um, she was looking to break this the Stegen or, or set the Stegen um, 3K virtual time time and um, she was looking to unofficially break the Australian uh, record of I think uh, 8 40 40 and she went 842 yeah those of you who are listening from home you can google that and prove us wrong but I think that she was on track to do it and it was the last 250 meters that that her splits just fell off just a little Um, and you could see her that it was just (laughs) so hard but my god 842 for a 3k fascinating oh wonderful so those of you who count by minutes per kilometers that's uh fast yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, fast uh two uh, what am i doing 252 yeah there you go is that wow. it that's like amazing yeah anyway 250 and the track was 50 mil of water that oh pouring yeah. it was actually a swimming pool it was yeah so so that's what so um now i'll back wolfie up um a bunch of us a he bunch was okay of, yeah yeah no a bunch of us went out to, to watch the different races leading up to that did you happen to catch the uh the spirited 18 minute group earlier in the afternoon flying shit i was close to 18 minutes <laughs> <laughs> on track on track on for track. it. Yeah. No, they're adverse conditions. 100%. They were. I'll take that for sure. No, yeah. definitely. For sure. Poor no. race strategy, poor mechanics. <laughs> Didn't have carbon in my shoes, but despite all that, yeah. you close. Wouldn't, you wouldn't have gone out too fast, though, is you? you never do that. <laughs> That's that, right. That wouldn't happen. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I did have some uh, photos from Bankstown Sports at the lead of the pack over the Good first man, two. Man. Oh, Yeah, so. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. So running matters. Coaching got a good plug that night because we had we had a team of five, six yeah. people wearing singlets. But one of my guys went out, and his English isn't great. And I told him just to take it easy. But he went out, and he was leading the group by about two hundred meters of five k oh, race. My goodness! And uh, he managed to hang in to to take second place. Oh, good man! Yeah, he did well. He's he pacing. Did well. He's pacing. He's pacing. He's great. <laughs> there's, a bit, there's a bit more coaching in there to come, mate. That's right. Coaching's going well, by the way. It's going good, mate. Yeah, yeah. we've got friend of the show, uh, Scotty Hazelton. He's the he's the newest addition this week, Wonderful. and uh, he's in orange. Leon so, graduate. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's the latest one. So, um, it's expanding. It's expanding. Very good. Cool. So, people Very are interested in, in joining the coaching team. Mm. They can message on uh, the Running Matters podcast or Instagram. There it is. Yeah. Well, you got a, well, you guys got a guy to, to lead it, Matt. I mean, to formally answer your question, Paul. Uh, no, Matt was great. Uh, we had a, no, seriously, seriously. We had a group of 16. And it's hard with large groups when you're facilitating a course because you know nobody wants to be that standout to, to have input. And so whenever and I, you don't get away with um, not participating in my coaching courses and point people out if they haven't been if they haven't spoken all day. But no, uh, uh, Wolfie, you're great. Just answering questions, sharing your experience, and that you know that's why we do these face to face coaching courses. Yeah. And so no, it was very grateful to have you uh, in there to you know, fill the silence when I asked 
a question to the group. It's a good role for you. Yeah. Filling the silence. Filling the silence. (laughs) It's my strong point. Um, And so we should encourage people to to look into doing coaching courses, especially now when you're working from home, you've got a bit of time on your hands. So go to Athletics Australia website. Yeah. Yeah. um, uh, or the Athletics New South Wales uh, website. So a bit of a, a plug for them. Um, yeah, I think anyone interested in running and improving their own running performance yeah. or getting into coaching, um, and especially any clinicians who are working in the coaching world. If you're working with, or sorry, the running world, if you're a clinician working with runners, yeah, you got to take a level one course in the very least um, just to see what though your patients are are um, interacting with when they go to their running sessions, you know, uh, and then again just to upskill yourselves. But yeah, everyone who's keen on running, really keen on running, I think should take a coaching course. And right now, um, there's been a big push in the past twelve months to increase the number of courses, and like there are a lot, you know. Um, I teach. I agree with my wife that I teach once one a month, and that's quickly becoming two a month just because there's so much demand and it's great. And again, uh, just awesome conversation. I learn so much every time I facilitate a course. I just love asking a general question, sitting back and listening to these six or seven answers that come out. And I just use that in my own coaching and clinical world. Um, but yeah, again, if, if any, especially clinicians or strength coaches, if you're keen to work with runners um, and you consider yourself I'm going to say crass enough to call yourself the running physio or the running EP. If, if, if you're, you know, hanging your hat on that, one, you probably should stop. Two, um, put your money where your mouth is. Oh, put your money where your mouth is. Come out and take a course. Uh, guaranteed you'll learn something. Guaranteed other people will learn a lot from you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, a, I guess, a plug for our national sport organization. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Very, Solid. very worthwhile. Sure. I, I want to ask about your wife, Bree, the physio. Yeah. Mate, what's it like being married to a physiotherapist? Do you uh, you told to come into the clinic and get treatment, or does she offer this at home? Oh, mate, she opposite. No, she never wants to treat me. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, and, exactly. <laughs> Here's a chiropod, sir. You feel it, and so no. I mean, we we trade off whenever she has a niggle and needs exercises. I write her a program whenever she's getting back to running, which is very soon our son's getting the next strength to be able to sit in a running pram cool. and so look out Bree Anderson Nay Jones <laughs> she's on the way back yeah honor honor come back she's gonna hate me for saying that yeah. good thing she'll never listen she to this. won't she won't hear <laughs> but so um yeah so she um uh, she was a better athlete than I ever was uh, and ever will be you know she was the next hot thing out of this hemisphere <laughs> um east or south like she was really good mm-hmm. uh and I don't think that leaves you um and, and, you know, I, she's younger than I am, therefore has more years compared to what I have left in my career. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a hope that, that, you know, she'll want to get back in a competitive sport. Um, Do some good stuff again. Yeah, but I think it's tough as a, as a youth athlete when, you, when you're the top of the top um, in a certain realm. Um, and in a very, again, watered-down way, I've experienced the same. You know, I was... I thought I was good enough to, to make nationals at the university level in Canada. Uh, and I thought I was good enough, you know, someday maybe. I remember when I was 21, I thought maybe I could wear the Canadian colors at an international event in running. Um, 
and and I never did in in running life sort of life saving. I I got there, but um, I always wanted to do it in running, and um, it's hard now over a decade on to you know put the shoes on and go out and think, hey, I want to break. I want to do a lifetime PB because I look back and I know how many hours it was. You know, in my early twenties, you know, we were. 20 hours a week of training um, and training includes recovery and strength work and all of that and I just look at what do I need to give up now to do that again and that I think is the biggest challenge you know, knowing the the time commitment and it is selfish being a being an athlete uh, and I think it's good for um, certain epochs in your in your life um, but there are other things I've signed on to do that I just love doing. And so again, a watered down version of other athletes making that big comeback, it's, it's hard because you have to give up a lot to reach a high level um, in sport. Certainly. And, yeah. there's, there's a bunch of other stuff like you alluded to, mate. There's yeah. time, time commitments. Mm-hmm. Got um, some listener questions to pump through. This is from the Swiss Machine. So is there a useful role for compression clothing? Sub question, are three quarter length tights scientifically proven to be the most performance enhancing length of pants? What is with you guys? <laughs> three quarter length tights. That's legit. <laughs> That's a legit question. So, all right, compression. Uh, there is no confirmative or denouncing evidence that it helps or doesn't. They're just, we don't know. It's like cryotherapy. It's like ice tubbing. It, we don't know. You know, there just isn't enough out there. What? Icing? No. I, There's no good ice. evidence there. No. no. But if it feels good, do it. So that. Oh, hey, say it again. If it feels good, do it. Oh, it's on my family beer. crest. Drinking beer at altitude. <laughs> Drinking beer at altitude. <laughs> feels right. good. Um, when, I, when I train, again, those, you know, uh, as a university athlete, as a student athlete, I don't know if ice tubbing helped, but I know that I felt so much better in dynamite after doing a two and a half hour set, getting in the ice tubs for 10 minutes and then hobbling home. Mm-hmm. I felt a million bucks after that in the next day. Call it placebo, good enough for me. Yeah. That's why I did it three times a week. And so if, if compression makes you feel better, and not, I'm not just saying that it pretends to make you feel better. If you truly chuck on those tights, elevate your legs after a hard workout or a long run, and then you stand up and think, I feel good. Mm. That is probably the number one reason to do it beyond whatever the research says. Mm. Yeah, for sure. That's powerful, for sure. Um, go on from the, the six foot red back. So it's a pretty long question, actually. So BMI world record holder, Corey Bellamore, run a 4.24 Freak. B-mile, yeah. which beat his previous world record by nine seconds. But this was erased by officials when he was disqualified for leaving 4.5 ounces of beer behind in his bottle. Oh, what's that? Milliliters? Mike, I'm a metric guy. 20? Yeah. Uh-huh. So will this B-mile ever be achieved legally? Um... Is that our mate from Canada? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a Canadian guy. Yeah. So funny story about that. John Vaughn, uh, local legend. Now he is. Now the Canadian. He's an import. Um, uh, 
I think he's buddies with them. I think they, they used to be training partners. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there are very strict rules around the beer mile. There's Absolutely. a website, there's mm-hmm. the whole bit. So we used to do a beer mile before athletics banquet every year. Uh, and we get track and field to the cross country guys and girls, the sprinters, the throwers, the jumpers, everyone. We dress up. Uh, Titans play dressed like Batman. Man, it was the best. You don't get that shit anymore. Like, well, they just don't do running it. Running beam on. We've got to do Serious. I've, it's been mentioned. I'm gonna run it. Once. I'm gonna write it down. Do it's gonna happen. To then do. it's gonna happen. Next to this Batman. Yeah, <laughs> you've heard it here, folks. I've running matters. I've always got an excuse to wear that suit. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, it was it was so good. And so. Um, yeah, right. The rules are what is it? Three hundred and fifty-five mils. Yeah, has minimum. It, yeah, minimum yeah. can be a can or a bottle. Minimum four and a half percent. Yeah, that's right. Alcohol. That's right. Uh, per volume, um, you have to start and finish your beer in nine meters. Nine is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so because the mile yeah. is sixteen. Meters. Brought to you by Sydney Brewery. I'm yeah. still taking notes. The, Wonderful. The, the Glamouramas would go well, I reckon. Yeah, wouldn't they? Well, yeah. that's it. Perfect. We've got it lined up. I think we should do that. Uh, look, a similar question and a short and uh, poorly thought out one from the florist. What's your best college kegger story? Oh, <laughs> this is... All right. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not tell any of the kids I coached that I did this podcast guys I'm sorry so the night before my first university cross country race and um, I I joined the team late I was a walk on in my fourth year Um, I stuck around in undergrad for a while but anyway so my fourth year um, I uh, uh, joined the team the night before my first race so nervous and like it was two weeks of running with the group um, and I realized like oh, I might be okay with this thing you know I'm keeping up with the the top guys in the squad you know I'm beating them on some of the reps I thought like oh you know really excited about this um, that Friday night uh, one of my buddies and his girlfriend had a fight and they're on a break and so we're having oh, just the most masculine we're having a guys only kegger. Like, girls suck. No girls allowed. No calling girlfriends. And so, like, it was just, it was just a tough time for my buddy because, you know, they're they dating for a while. And so I showed up. I'm like, hey, guys, get this race tomorrow. I can't. Fast forward to like 1.30 in the morning. I'm running down the hall, leaping into a crowd of my buddies. They pick me up and do a keg stand. Like, we were just running. <laughs> Doing laps of doing keg stands. And so then, like, I got home at fucking 3 a.m. I remember then waking up to my alarm, as you imagine how I probably felt, skateboarding to campus so I could catch the the team bus. And just, I tried to avoid my coach as best possible. But so I ran at the Guelph Arboretum, very... um, an iconic uh, course in Canada. Um, and I ran it, I think I was uh, 12. Um, and that was the first race my coach saw me at and he pulled me aside. Um, rest him, uh, Terry good enough. Uh, he pulled me aside and said, oh, that was pretty good. We, 
we could probably run away to nationals. So <laughs> I'm sitting there. I must have been so bloodshot, just dreary-eyed, and I pumped about the performance. You know, I was kind of <laughs> was 12th overall in that race, and you know, top five or six university athletes because of club race, and it was kind of just uh, proven to myself that oh, maybe I could be a runner, but oh, I was hungover. <laughs> just. <laughs> so that, so you replicated that exact process before every race after yeah. that because it worked right Mate, okay so this this is the other bad thing again I'm ah oh, crazy um, none of my athletes are allowed to listen to this I got really 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 nervous in the way before races and the way that I cope with it was to drink like I, I'd have six beers the night before yeah. a, a big race a 10k race Cab- like, cab lighting god yeah sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and like I don't know, it's uh, it's kind of I guess it, it stuck with me. Whenever even t- Sydney Ten last year, I had like four beer the night before. It just like just a way to calm my nerves. Yeah. And um, judge is sitting back there nodding his head. Colleges, colleges. It's bad, guys. Don't do it. No. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It works for me. <laughs> it's it's good enough for Deeks. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. That's good. that's that's your mantra. So that was a great story. Now, I recall one more story, and you might have told it during the course or at the end of the course. Did you have a roommate that pushed himself so hard during the, the race that he ended up soiling himself on the line and you had to drive him home and he was kneeling down in the back of the car? Or was this last weekend? Am I? <laughs> so... Does, um, that, does that story sound familiar? Yeah, I can be honest. No, that <laughs> you've made that up. I was yeah. I was somewhere else. That said, <laughs> that said, um, no, I'll be honest. Like, yeah, I've shit myself at the end of more than one race, <laughs> and so I I full, share full disclosure. No, full disclosure. And I say that <laughs> more or less with a straight face, and I think that well, it is straight. Yeah. <laughs> Middle distance running. And again, Zulu, Jerry, said this best. Like, you know, he's got the thing, three fluids. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to his, to his Or just go for a run with him. It's one of the Zuluisms. It's great. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll summarize. You know, his coach in the States said, you got a good workout and you need three fluids. Okay, sweat is easy. Tears are easy. Spit's easy. You know, blood, okay. But puke, piss, mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. And so... It's when you try. No, and, and seriously, like, the, the workouts that we did, I remember one workout, I was the second last to throw up, because everyone did. I was the second last to throw up, and after I washed my mouth out, I finished the second half of the workout. And, like, you know, I'm not saying do a puke set all the time, but... A puke set. It's so yeah. good. Oh, I, I programmed that. I'm writing that down. Good. I programmed that into into our sets. And again, it isn't, oh, I wouldn't push our 13, 14-year-olds to do puke sets. But, you know, as you get into your later teens, and definitely as a senior athlete in your 20s, like, if you're running 10K and anything shorter, and you're not puking every now and again, like, I don't, this isn't to be rude. You're, you're just not pushing yourself hard enough. Like, you, when you throw up you get a small glimpse of what your limit might be. If you keep going and throw up several more times and then you can't get up off the ground, you'll keep probably got close enough to what your limit is. But if you don't 
you know, push yourself that hard and, and get us and have to be vomit. But you know, like conceptually, if you don't push yourself in a middle distance athlete to collapse and can't move after a workout every now and again, you're, that's fine, but you're not reaching your potential, right? And yeah, it's, it's a bit of a that's so good. hard line. That's so good. Very old. And, and so again, I want to preface this, this is not a regular thing. <laughs> you should feel good after most workouts. Hmm. But I'm saying like once a quarter, even once every two months, throw up. Puke session. Puke session. Run until you puke. You know, a good workout we did was 2200s, 20 times 200s. And so coach said like, oh, you know, tip through and 32, 33s, you know, just hang on to it. 30 to 45 seconds rest between each. You know, we kind of do five, and take another minute rest and just keep going. But yeah, I remember like we opened the first five and I was getting towed along with Derek McCluskey, who was, I think he ended up getting in the 28s for 10K. And so I had no business keeping up with him, but I tried it. And like after 12, I threw up and had to miss two reps. And then I stepped back on the track and finished the rest. And it was, it was there that, you know, we started at 33, 34. And then we started getting, we were going through in 28, 29. And my coach is like, you guys are right? We didn't talk, and he said, "Well, none of you have fallen over, so keep going." I, so, <laughs> I feel like we're getting into some life lessons in oh, the second half of the I digress. We should. That's <laughs> yeah, no, amazing. So I just want to say that uh, next time we interview you, and we will interview you again, okay. we're going to start at three thousand meters and four beers before we hit record. Oh. It's got it's got the second half has gotten real good. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the momentum, the velocity. Yeah. Again, I'm going to mention it again for the fans at home. Running matters. Yeah. Beer mile. Yeah. I am so in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unreal. Yeah. yeah, I'm pumped. Mm. And, and and I guess. Um, on, on that note, I've been trolling you in your Instagram photos and I came across a uh, what looks to be a Canadian delicacy called poutine. Oh. And, and, and I want to know a little bit about that. And we're sort of talking, we're talking carbohydrates, we're talking potentially puke sessions. Where does poutine fit into this? It's different from poutine. Yeah. C'est incroyablement important quand tu as un poutine que tu as des frites qui sont incroyablement... No? No? Oui. So, poutine is a French-Canadian delicacy, and it is a delicacy. You have to have the best-made chips um, ever. Thick-cut, deep-fried, but they're soft in the middle, but crispy on the outside, not too crispy. Um, the gravy has to be good enough that you can eat it by the spoonful. I'm, ta- I'm, I'm not talking about powder crap. I, I mean, like, meat fat, uh, duck fat if you have it, or just the best pota- or the best gravy. And then the gravy is poured over cheese curds. If you talk about mozzarella, I have to hit you. <laughs> the cheese curds. <laughs> cheese curds is the bit slopped off the top or scraped off the top when you make cheese, the fat bit that most people discard. The French Canadians harvest it and they make balls out of it and ah, oh, squeaky cheese, you bite into it, it squeaks. That 
is Patan. Is is there anywhere in Sydney where you can get this? It's probably it's probably substandard. It's tough. The the biggest thing is the team skirts because they're they're not manufactured here. Um, I don't think they're like yeah you'll find them in Europe. I don't know if you find them in in Af- in the continent of Africa literally. Um, and so it's hard to find true Patan. Uh, if anyone's listening knows a place that you can get gluten free Patan, please please <laughs> let me know. There you go. I think Patin is the perfect use of the head of Sydney Uni's biomechanics knowledge <laughs> base. Yeah. I think that's, that's spot on. I'm not sure that it's going to get any better than that. <laughs> Some carbs in it. Yes. No, there's a lot. There is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to get Michael Phelps on the phone. <laughs> All the crap I said about him. Yeah. <laughs> Pick his phone up out of his shoes. That's right. <laughs> Advantages. Uh, yep. So if people want to uh, look you up and quiz you, do you, you're you on Insta? Yeah. So I'm really bad at keeping it updated. But um, Instagram, anderson.jordan. Uh, Anderson spelled S-E-N. Uh, a bit more active on Twitter, I guess. So Anderson Science is my handle again s-e-n uh, on anderson um and yeah just any questions super happy to have one of these chats and, and what about the uh the practice thrive physiotherapy yeah, yeah. how can i forget um yeah so uh, my wife and i started uh, thrive physiotherapy and performance uh we've recently blah, merged with Janali healthcare centers uh we're now an allied health facility uh, so that's where we're at. Uh, but uh, my wife posts awesome stuff uh, on our on our Facebook page. So Thrive Physiotherapy and Performance. Formerly, um, I started Maple Leaf Performance uh, when I got over here. Um, so that's where you're coaching through as well through Thrive. Yeah. Yep. So Maple Leaf has been moved over to Thrive. Uh, so yeah, all of our coaching is through Thrive. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for your time. It's been a good chat. Yeah. Thanks, guys. This is awesome. And uh, we'll turn this thing off and get real loose. See ya. Yeah.